You're listening to the B-Side Podcast on Brick Radio. If you like what you hear or think there's an artist or band we should have in studio, let us know in the comments. Otherwise, sit back, relax, tune in, and turn on. It takes two generations to erase a history. More than just a warning, it is the makings of the message and mission of today's musical guest, paying homage to an esteemed lineage of spiritual songs and soul singers. Kita P's sound ignites heart-centered, self-reflective fire and compels us all to be keepers of the flames. Joined today with her smooth groove band, Black Licorice, Kita P is bringing a special flavor to the B-side stage better than sugar and just the right amount of spice tonight i am your host queen god is urging you to adjust your speakers and kick back in your seats get your minds right for all of this heat keep it close featured it is february 2018 we are at b-side brick studios people have been celebrating commemorating uh love um it is black history month the movie black panther comes out um for many people tonight and for most people tomorrow and you audience could be anywhere in the world because of all of these these things and you chose to be here with us tonight so give yourselves a round of applause For those of you who know her, you often see her with her guitar traveling around the New York City performance circuit and beyond. Um, But tonight she is joined by awesome musicians, Black Licorice, and this song, Adewa, featuring Goodwin. So I would love for you to just go into introducing them. There are many iterations, and um, at the moment, these guys have been rocking with me for the longest. Um, And right here you have Michael on keys. He's the funny guy. Um, he tells a lot of jokes, and um, I met him actually at an um, open mic that my friend Marcos um, hosts called One Mic Night, and I also met Ose there, and they're in a band together called um, Ruckus, okay. and um, they used to be the house band, so I started like just jamming with them and then asked them if they could play with me. And then I met Dave through a mutual friend, um, and Dave is on drums. Um, hey, Dave. A musical old head who moved back down south, but um, I was looking for a drummer for a while, and then he he was like, "Hey, I got your I got a drummer for you that is available." And so me and Dave clicked, and yeah. So this is Osei, by the way. Sorry, I didn't say his actual name. So Michael Osei, Dave, and then we have Goodwin, who is from Ghana. I like to say that all the time, Um, but yeah, he is. 
a co-write. Um, he produced the track Adwa. He actually approached me saying that he wanted to do an album of his own. And um, then I asked if he could work on a song with me as well. And um, I told him that I really like history and have this idea. Mm -hmm. And he had um, all these, like a cache of beats. Mm -hmm. And so we just went from there. And then he also built around it. So part of the line is Black Seeds and Fertile Sand, right, from the song? Mm -hmm. um, what's the other half of that line? Black Seeds and Fertile Sand. Uh, the need to take a stand. Yeah. I think I got it. Okay, good. And Ottawa, what does it mean? Um, well, Adwa is about the Battle of 1896 in um, a place called Adwa that's now like Ethiopia. Okay. But basically, Menelik II um, and his wife Batul in 1896, they gathered 100,000 men, which he says in his rhyme, mm -hmm. um, and they defeated the Italians that were trying to come and invade and, um, and colonize. And that was in 1896. And it's just significant because a lot of places were colonized, um, the whole continent, the whole world, basically. And um, they were able to defeat, and it was a black leader, Menelik mm -hmm. II. And um, yeah, I think that's what is most interesting. That. It's, that's something that's not really well talked about, so. Right, and I think that's really timely for a lot of reasons. Um, but a lot of times when we think about history, particularly black history, there's a lot of degradation and losing, right? There's this theme of losing um, mm -hmm. or being oppressed. Um, but there's lots of winning. Yeah. And this is a good time for winning because we have this feature film coming out called Black Panther. We are by no means hired by Marvel to do the <laughs> However, I do feel like it's very fitting and it's very exciting. And like I said, the audience could be making their way to go see that, but they're here. Yeah. Um, what is it about triumph in terms of your history, our history, that you really want, that inspires you to really infuse that message into the song? Like, what did you want the audience to know? Well, I think it's um, my love of history. I mean, I'm, you know, I, I don't know all of history, but I, I am intrigued by it. Mm -hmm. um, I am intrigued and I do research and I, um, I love how one of my friends said it the best, like the archive is always changing in the sense that your history is always changing. Like you'll mm -hmm. learn something when, you, when you're growing up and then you educate yourself and you realize it's something else. And so that happens a lot in history. and. Um, uh, and so that's what kind of intrigues me, you know, things that I thought were one thing. And like, just this is an easy example because it comes up in my head just so easily, but it's just like Christopher Columbus. Like, mm -hmm. we're taught so much, but the archive is actively changing. Um, I feel like when it comes to history and, you know, like who owns it. And right now I think it's up for grabs. And so I, I honestly do think that way. And so, I mean, this is like a, a point in history and songs are memorable. And if it is like really good, it will, it will like, resonate and it will be around even after I'm around so hopefully somebody after I'm around will you know be educated and be interested in that song and like oh 1896. Yeah. Do you feel like musicians are historians in a way um, or at least some musicians who, who choose to be and do you think that it's important for musicians to make a decision to try to include elements of documentation uh, and, co and commentary in their work? I think just living life in general, you are your own like storyteller. I don't know how else to explain it. Like I don't think it's up to artists. I mean, I do, I do take it upon myself to just have like a, a real message in most of my songs and music. But I, I don't think it's up to the artists. Like a lot of people might think that, but sometimes people just want to be free and like just make a song to make a song with no feeling behind it, but it will resonate with someone else and won't really have a message. It might just be about the beat or something, or it really will have a message, but you don't resonate with it, but somebody else does.
We quoted this song at the top of the show. Uh, it takes two generations to erase a history, and then you go on to add, so I sing for the free so my kin can see. I sing for the free so my kin can know peace. Right. That amount of time, is that actual documented the two generations before things start to... No, it's probably not. Mm. I like I hear a lot of. Um, <laughs> it's, I was like, I looked it up, and I, was, I saw you know a bunch of different uh, numbers. But you know what? We're in a generation of uh, selective amnesia, and, <laughs> you know. So sometimes it's five days. You yeah, know? that's true. Mm -hmm. yeah, but how did you come up with that line, and what drew you to it? Um, so there was like a moment, um, probably like three years ago, especially during like a lot of the protests in the city against like police brutality. Um, where I was just really feeling it, you know, like I woke up black, you know, and I was like, oh, God. Um, so. <laughs> Is that the general consensus, like every day, every day that you wake up black? <laughs> but, um, no, I was just uh, feeling like a lot, like feeling very heavy. Mm -hmm. um, and then I was also reading a lot because I was doing this um, one-page, splash-page um, website for my old job about um, black history. Um, and so I just started to, like, looking into different things and I came up with this kind of song through all that time and you know all those things happening and as well as like um, uh, I watched this thing called Hidden Colors and so yeah. I think in earshot I think one of the people on the on that um, mentioned that it takes two generations but you really got to look things up after you watch that like mm -hmm. you can't mm -hmm. take it for face okay. value. Got it. <laughs> um, you've been classified by many and, and also by yourself as being uh, R&B, soul, folk with hip-hop influences. How would you feel if someone threw in um, a, a, a vocalist who does protest songs? Would you, do you think that that's fitting, um, especially to help uh, qualify some of the songs that have strong messages and that are kind of have an activist feel to them? Sure, yeah. yeah. I think that's pretty fitting. Have you done a lot of research about protest music? Is that something that you've studied? And no, I actually haven't mm -hmm. studied it per se, but I do like um, some protest music, and I don't remember a lot of the um, artist names, mm -hmm. but there's one that always comes to mind. It's called The War of the Workers. Mm -hmm. That I always, like, just just the chorus is always in my head, um, but I'm always at work, so. I asked this question, you're always at work, which we're gonna come back to what work is. If you're not doing this, we definitely wanna know what you are doing. Um, we are in generation quote unquote woke. Mm. I try not to say that word every day, but I hear it every day. What's your relationship with that term? I think a lot of people are saying the term woke, but I don't always agree that they're like a woke person, yeah. of course. Yeah, you know, and it depends on the day. They may be awake today, but tomorrow they may be asleep. Nap time. Um, yes. <laughs> yeah. So it depends on the subject yeah. as well. Um, but for me, um, do you use the term to, to refer to yourself? Not no. Really. Okay. Cool. But what gives you your consciousness? Of, in, what gives you your consciousness, and then how does that relate to your self-reflection? So I'm constantly on this battle, and I don't talk about it a lot with like a lot of people, but maybe with some close friends. But like just to have like inner peace, because mm -hmm. I I. I honestly just don't know what that's like mm -hmm. and you know if it's not another thing it's something else in this world and especially living in New York or just living in this life like um, you know our resources are very much being limited um, and, and you know as the days go on and also just knowing myself and being fearless within because then I can I can actually manifest everything that I want to do mm -hmm. so I mean that's the biggest thing that's really um, 
if, if I want to be considered woke at any time, it's the moments where I'm actually digging deep within rather than like interacting and stuff. So it's not really driven by your awareness of the different causes of the world or the different issues of the world, but really your goal for inner peace. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Um, well, speaking of peace, a lot of musicians, and particularly musicians who've graced this stage, help bring peace to many people including the audience members who actually sit in the room. When so many things are going on, we, we, we try to find the artist that helps us to chill out, to relax, to self-reflect, to heal. I got a text message one month before your show from a friend slash colleague of yours, and the text message said, Keita P, the artist who's about to be on your show in a month, is amazing. How does it feel when people compliment and critique your work? Um, if it feels like I'm actually doing something, you know, um, and I do feel like I feel like there's more purpose and um, it also kind of gives me um, affirmation, I feel like, to like continue in this journey of music because um, I've thought about giving it up a few times. What's your best compliment that you've received? Um, I think you've changed like people's chakras in this room or something. <laughs> I can't remember it They verbatim. were straight for the cosmos, yeah. all right, <laughs> amen. And what was your harshest critique? Maybe I blocked them all out, I have no idea. Um, yeah, I can't I like don't want to be that person, but I can't. All right, good, and that might be a good thing. <laughs> we block out all of the harsh critiques. Let's get ready to go into the next song with Keita P and Black Licorice. Give it up for them one more time. Losing myself all the time. I sit and I run away from my own mind and I cry on the inside. Sometimes in this life, I know there's more than just this, yeah, but I'm afraid of what exists, yeah. considered two of the most powerful words and, and the most powerful phrase of all of life. Um, there's this idea that whatever you put after the statement I am becomes your manifestation, right? So we have to be careful about our statements using I am in the beginning part of it. You are from Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, yes. and you made your way to Brooklyn or to New York yeah. after, shortly after that. How did you, what was that transition? Um, so, um, I knew I wanted to leave my hometown and it wasn't like, it just wasn't for me, like there's no jobs really and the art scene wasn't really kicking. Um, and so I got accepted to a school that had a campus in LA and New York, so I spent my first year in LA and I didn't like it and so I wanted to be closer to my family so I um, transferred to the New York campus and then finished school here. Was it music school? It was a conservatory, musical theater. So I actually studied musical theater. Mm -hmm. yeah. And we're going to come back to that, uh, talking about being an independent artist with a background, or with your training is, and um, how that impacts the work. But let's um, go back to this I am thought. Mm -hmm. um, so let's finish two statements. The first one is I was. I was. 
I was a way more vulnerable mm -hmm. uh, as an as an individual uh, when it came to the world and just eating everything up, if that makes sense, mm -hmm. um, with no filter. Got it. So. And now I am more filtered. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's just like with the easy. things that people bring into my life or there's the people that come in like mm -hmm. I'm definitely more filtered because you can't let everybody in so mm -hmm. and Brooklyn is Brooklyn is gentrification on steroids <laughs> that's what it is but it's a lovely place I mean I really do I love it here I have it I've been here since 2006 so yeah I think that that kind of is the running model Brooklyn gentrification on steroids but it's a lovely place um, <laughs> uh, when you talk about being able to receive compliments from people who are moved by your work or find a sense of peace in it, but also being able to block harsh critique. Um, so the, the, it actually is a, like the middle ground for me is like um, measuring the two, like two qualities that just always come up. Or, um, so it's my patience and my ego. Um, mm -hmm. I don't have much patience for myself, so I've mm -hmm. been really practicing having patience for myself because it'll help me have patience for the rest of the world and the things that are going on around me because mm -hmm. I'm, I don't necessarily want instant gratification, mm -hmm. but I definitely, um, you know, you spend hours rehearsing or practicing and then you mess up that one lick that you really sure. wanted um, or that one note or whatever. Um, so that's something that um, is more of a middle ground if my patience is, patience. is, you know, together, if I'm really by my patience, that's a middle ground. And then also, not to fully get rid of my ego, but to kind of just let it die down on its own and not feed into it because, you know, um, artists all over, especially in this city where I'm currently um, living, it's um, it's kind of like a rat race. We're all like we're we're a community. We're we're um, yeah, we're a community, and we're building each other. But it's still like it's still hard because you. You want you want so much more. You want to make money. You wanna mm -hmm. you wanna you know make this your full time thing. But it's just it's really hard sometimes. Um, and I mean, not to say that no one can do it. Um, anybody can do it. It's just um, I think there's amount of sacrifice. And um, and I think that um, with my ego, I I try to check it as often as possible. I mean, I'm not always the best. I am human. But when I when I hear like somebody that is just really killing it, or I just hear a band, I always make sure that I try to go out of my way to compliment them, um, to let them know that I was listening. Um, the other day I was um, in Savannah's, and then a show ended, but another guy went on, but nobody was really paying attention to him. And I stopped and took a listen, and he was really good. And I just complimented him and sent him a message, and he was like, "This means a lot if just one person is listening." And like, um, just like checking my ego at the door, and then working on my patience. You know what I deserve. You know what you deserve. 
The song is called Volcano, which is a perfect segue into one of the producer's questions for this evening about black women. A lot of times black women in general are pushed to edit themselves, to shrink themselves, to lower themselves. And then when you think about black women in music or in the arts, that kind of exacerbates that whole conversation. How has that been for you? In what ways have you shrunken, if any? In what ways have you expanded as a black person um, in music? In music particularly, I've, I think like the, the ways I felt shrunken were like um, just with getting shows and um, just the way people would talk to me, certain, certain like promoters or something, but I've, um, but what I did to kind of regain my power is like, like, um, like say a promoter wasn't paying, but I knew they were getting paid off of the gig that I was performing off of. Like now I've taken it into my own hands. I wanna start curating my own events so that I know that um, things will you know happen for me the way that I need, you know, and the way that I wanted to manifest. So I do think that for um, black women, it's all about like, I don't know, I think it's just reclaiming yourself, just saying like, no, I'm not gonna take this. And you know, and there's certain moments where you just like, you pick and choose your battles because it's really not always worth it. But um, for me, I, I think that, um, you know, more than anything, I'm the one who silences myself, mm -hmm. even when other people, you know, when it can be deemed that other people are silencing, because I, I know that I still have the power to speak up and say certain things. Um, it's all, you know, it's, it's like, um, it's like a, a growth that sure. I'm going through. And that's very human and very universal, no matter who you are, where you come from, there are these things that happen within us that cause us to to kind of truncate, you know, to, to go inward, to become smaller. Um, and then we learn through a series of life events how to shed that. Uh, you've said that at 23 years old, you had what was what you call a vocal breakthrough. You were in a studio working on a song and you felt like after you had um, just really kept redoing some, some vocals and were being pushed by whoever was in the studio with you that you really felt like you could sing or do anything. That is Describe true. that moment. Um, actually, it was really interesting because I wasn't like, I really wasn't doing anything actually. Um, like I, I was just starting to pursue my music mm -hmm. if, um, if that makes sense. Like, um, and I linked up through Craigslist uh, with these two amazing guitarists from Trinidad and, and they they really played their guitars like more rhythm mm -hmm. so it really gave a lot of like um, freedom vocally mm -hmm. and they came over with their equipment and they were like we're recording and um, I had this one song and I literally just sang my heart out and it got to a point where um, you know like I couldn't stop like tears from coming but it wasn't like bad or anything I just I felt I I felt like that was like the closest to my true self I've ever gotten. Mm -hmm. um, like other people might say the closest to God, mm -hmm. but like the closest to my true self mm -hmm. um, in those moments, mm -hmm. especially like on stage, especially singing. But in that moment in particular, um, I like had this blink of a moment or a flash mm -hmm. moment as well within that experience, like I can do anything. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's what it was like. They just told me to like sing. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you can't record in my apartment. I don't have anything set up. They opened the window mm -hmm. and everything. And it sounded great to me. Like mm -hmm. I still play this song. I mean, I never released it, but I still play it. 
um, just as a reminder. And that's really special, and I do want to offer that to all of the other musicians who may be watch watching now or later, is that if your own music can't find a place within you that it opens up for you, outside of the career path or the music itself, then there's something to think about there. So I think that I just want to acknowledge that's really special that the music does that for other people, but it really did that for you beyond the music. Is that what it sounded like? All right, um, well, speaking of black women, and continue with the theme of black, um, let's talk about the black god pantheon. What is that? Um, so I describe black god pantheon as a group of black artists in the city, um, and also not in the city, because uh, of Branson, uh, who are, they do different, we do different things. We sing, there's um, rappers, there's writers, there's playwrights, there's actresses, there's uh, musicians. And basically, we are a collective, we're meant to support each other and use our work for truth to power. A lot of the people, I think majority of the people in Black God Pantheon, mm -hmm. and I think it's seven of us, are educators in some capacity right. for the, like the next generation. So we have myself, we have Precious, gorgeous, he's also in the audience over here. Hi. Um, and Krim Della. Krim Della, mm -hmm. and, um, aka Black Zeus. And we have Ashley Awuzi, who's an actress, and some of her movies are on Netflix. Um, Branson, mm -hmm. he is um, a visual artist more so, and he is based in Washington. And then Anson, who was mm -hmm. meant to be here this evening, um, uh, who couldn't make it, but... Um, yeah, and then we have Rashin who does uh, beats and Just does writing, dream. you know, is a back-end guy, but Just really You're gonna go on YouTube and you're gonna find footage perhaps from 2008 of a short-haired budding artist who was singing one of her first original songs called One Mic at a Little Cafe. Um, and then you fast forward 10 years, a decade later um, into this fresh EP called The Lesson of this long-haired bouquet of an artist um, with a lot on the horizon. If your current self could give a quick one word message to your 2008 self, what would it be? The lesson is fearlessness. Fearlessness. Yeah. Just don't be scared, you know. Uh, there's a lot of things that I was like scared of, like um, for a very long time, but once I broke through, I, you know, just day at a time. But yeah. So on this day, Black History Month, Black History Timelessness, timelessness <laughs> we offer you reflection and fearlessness and I think that's yes. a great way to wrap up a show please go home and do your homework find out more she has a thousand videos including the key to p music sessions where she interviews other artists and they're really well done and I really appreciated them and I trust that you will too all right and that said that brings us to our close Kita P and black liquors potent yet delicate soothing yet fiery full of sweetness and bitter truths we have arrived at that moment in the show where a good simile is in order Tonight was like a good Brooklyn stroll through the botanic gardens at the enlightened moment when the cherry blossoms are on the cusp of full bloom and full shed translation 
Thank you, Key to P and Black Licorice, for taking us somewhere special yet accessible, for celebrating both growth and change, beauty and fragility, and for reminding us to use our time and our gifts wisely. Speaking of gifts, we have more in store for you, of course. To unwrap episodes of B-Side, check us out on YouTube using the hashtag B-SideBK, or enjoy our podcast at soundcloud.com slash B-Side Podcast. I am your host, Queen God Is, wishing you all wisdom, wonderment, and Wakanda forever. We love you, Brooklyn. Till next time. <laughs>